In this episode of The Full Nerd, custom RTX 3080, Intel Tiger Lake, and PlayStation 5 and Xbox. Welcome to The Full Nerd, episode 151. I'm your host, Gordon Mong, with co-host Brad Charkas. Back at it already. Elena Yee is here. I'm ready for the console discussion. <laughs> okay. And Adam is <laughs> controlling the horizontal vertical. Back-to-back episodes. Wow, so much news. We should get straight to it. Big news, of course. Uh, no longer, even though NVIDIA's Founder Edition is pretty awesome, custom cards are here. You want to know, for the 3080 that you didn't pre-order because you don't believe in it, mm-hmm. whether you should have pre-ordered a 3080 or a custom card that you can't buy for another three months. Well, you couldn't pre-order any of these cards, and even if you were sitting there slamming F5 on your keyboard this morning, you probably didn't get a sales order on any of them. Uh, well, like the PlayStation 5, I think uh, this was very limited stock and kind of a mess. Maybe. Yeah. But let, me, let me point this out, though, Brad. When companies have done pre-orders, mm-hmm. Ryzen, uh, as well as previous GeForce cards, everybody mm-hmm. screams bloody murder that, oh, my God, you shouldn't do pre-orders. These things are a total scam. And let mm-hmm. me read you a post from Reddit. Never pre-order. The entire yes. concept of pre-ordering is anti-consumer. Oh, I actually did an article on PC World very much along those same lines before. Well, that's cool because now yeah. for people who can't get the custom RTX 3080 mm-hmm. card, you could at least hear about it. <laughs> Very true. You can also, by the way, I was talking about it yesterday, but today I also posted, in addition to the review the review we're about to talk about, uh, three 440 by 1440 ultra-wide benchmarks. Uh, so if you were looking to see how the 38 performed in that, definitely go check it out. It's great. Splits the difference between 1440p and 4K. Uh, not going to get into that too much. I'll drop a link in the uh, the description. Oh. Thanks, you demand. Uh, so yeah, today is the you know RTX availability day, and in an unusual move compared to the last few generations, uh, there's also partner cards available. Uh, I have a few here in my office already. Uh, one I can talk about today, right here, uh, MSI Gaming X Trio, banana for scale. Uh, <laughs> Do you have an FE card you can hold next to it? Because I think that's what I really want to know. I. I do, but not easily now that I'm on Zoom. (laughs) Uh, However, in my review on PC World, I do have pictures of the FE card next to this, so you can check it out. Uh, So basically, where NVIDIA used the radical new cooling design to cool these 3080 chips, which take a lot more power than prior gen stuff, uh, the custom cards I'm seeing so far instead throw a lot of heavy metal at it. Uh, this MSI Gaming X Trio is a triple slot card, uh, as opposed to the Founders Edition's dual slot design. It is 13-ish inches long, and it is so wide that I can't screw it into the bracket with my fingers. I have to use a little screwdriver. It's freaking big. Uh, but you get a lot of, you get even better cooling and acoustic performance because of all that heavy metal. Uh, I said the Founders Edition is significantly more quiet than previous gen Founders Edition cards. That's true. Most people will probably be pretty happy with that. Uh, This card, the MSI Gaming X Trio, 
is virtually silent uh, in my system. I can't hear it over my case fans in the CPU cooler. So if you're running this card, even at full tilt, even playing 4K games at well above 60 frames per second, with all the bells and whistles turned on, you won't hear it. It's silent. It's wonderful. Uh, it's also significantly cooler in my case than NVIDIA's Founders Edition card. NVIDIA's Founder Edition does a really good job. It's, it's a good cooler. Uh, it's, it hits about 79 degrees under max load. Not about, it does hit 70. That's where max is out at under maximum load. Uh, this card is 73 degrees under maximum load. So six degrees Celsius doesn't sound like much, but it's actually a very noticeable difference for graphics cards. Uh, and that's right up there with some of the best temperatures we've seen in the past. This card, unlike the Founders Edition, doesn't use that funky, wonky uh, 12-pin connector. It just uses a trio of 8-pin connectors, which, spoiler alert, I have an article on power supply requirements going up tomorrow, uh, I think is a good move because the 3080 specifications is 320 watts. Uh, The Founders Edition design has two 8-pin connectors, which would give it 300 watts, and it relies on the PCIe slot to get the rest of the power. So if you're going to overclock or you have a not high-end motherboard, that might limit you there. Uh, whereas if a card like this has the full three 8-pin uh, power connectors, it has plenty of power. You can draw all the stuff that you need, assuming you know your power supply can keep up. This card is so big, MSI ships it with like a heavy metal retention bracket, so you can put it underneath the card and it screws into your case underneath uh if you go read my review they have all kinds of technologies they've reinforced this they put extra metal bands in there switch their graphene backplate uh so yeah uh 3080 takes a lot of you know engineering to stay cool uh the one part that might be disappointing to some people is that all the enhanced cooling design doesn't get you a lot of extra performance out of the box uh, this card is, I believe, MSI's flagship, the Gaming X Trio. It's only a $50 premium, which I consider well worth it for as silent and cool as it is. Uh, but it's got a very mild overclock out of the box. Uh, the stock Founders Edition stuff is 1.71 gigahertz. This is 1800 or 1800 megahertz, 1.8 gigahertz out of the box. Both cards are cool and efficient enough that NVIDIA's boost algorithms have them running between 1940 and just under 2000 megahertz all the time. So they deliver effectively the same performance, They, uh, which is awesome performance as we covered in depth yesterday. Uh, so they, they deliver effectively the same performance. The, uh, the This custom overclock model is just a little bit faster. Uh, I haven't you know, done the full percentages, but you know, it's a little bit faster as you'd expect from a little overclock. Uh, but it's not anything that you'll see in real life. Uh, MSI also is updating Afterburner, which is their excellent, you know, monitoring and overclocking software that everybody uses or a lot of people use because it works for both AMD and NVIDIA cards and like a lot of the stuff out there uh, to support this. And I tried its OC scanner tool with it which uh, uses NVIDIA's scanner API. You click a button, it does a bunch of calculations and runs through a bunch of stuff for a few minutes. And it'll do, give you a modest or conservative, I should say, conservative overclock on your memory and your graphics core automatically based on how your particular chip behaves. It's a great tool. People should run it in general just because it's like free performance. Uh, 
but the results were very, you know, they didn't blow me away. It's again, it's a conservative estimate. It's a conservative use. It's a conservative overclock when you use the OC scanner tool, but it only added an extra 42 megahertz to the GPU core clock and 200 to the memory clock, which did make a difference in games. I was seeing about three more frames per second, uh, not percent frames, like literally three frames per second, average higher, which when you're already pushing stuff with this card, you know, 120 frames per second doesn't really make a difference. So you're not going to see a lot of extra performance out of this card, but it's silent. It is massive. Uh, it is very cool. Uh, I have no complaints about it. I feel the $50 premium is good for what they're delivering here because it is, you know, a lot of engineering went into this and it's, you won't notice it in your case. Uh, but yeah, that's the MSI Gaming X Trio. I have another card I can't really talk about yet. Uh, that's another high end card with a big cooler and I'm seeing similar results as far as overclocks. And watching Gamers Nexus's video last night, they were overclocking the Founders Edition, and we're also saying overclocking really isn't worth it. So I'm not sure we're going to see big overclocking numbers out of Ampere. We're going to have to add more testing to be sure, but that's my gut reaction. After now testing the Founders Edition, the MSI Gaming X Trio, and plugging away at something else. Uh, Which... real, real quick, Vignesh is asking, is, is it the 3090? <laughs> that maybe you have in just wink you know if it's oh, oh, he blinked <laughs> i don't talk it. about ndas <laughs> uh, no also, i'm talking i'm talking about another custom 3080 uh, in this particular okay. case uh also we, we got we got some super chats in ziv uh friend of the show ziv gave us 30 dollars and 80 cents saying couldn't get an actual 3080 so here's one uh for all of us wonder pe- wonderful people thank you so much that's awesome VC Jester gave us $5 and said, uh, are you going to test the future 3090 on 51 by 14 for us oddballs? Are you going to have... I, it will depend on timing and what I get in. Uh, if you follow me on Twitter, there's a bit of you know inside baseball reviewer talk about how we all just have so much more stuff we want to test, but it all depends on time. Like in this, uh, for the 3080 in particular, uh, I was very happy to get the ultra-wide benchmarks up today because I feel it's a great use for that. I feel 51 by 14 would be great for the 3090, very likely. Uh, but it's going to depend on time. It's going to depend, one, if I even get review samples. Who knows? Uh, 2080 Ti review samples weren't very common, uh, aside from the Founders Edition. And But if I do get review samples, if I get more than one, the issue is I then have to review two cards for the embargo, which is twice as much work in running all these benchmark tests at the different resolutions, minimum of three passes, et cetera, et cetera. It takes a lot of time. So I'm going to try to do that. I cannot promise it. I do intend to, at the very least, do the three, uh, 34 by 14 in Gordon Parlance uh, benchmarks again because <laughs> you guys seem to have liked it today. So. Yeah, and uh, I'm going to very much try to get the 51 in there as well. Nice. Uh, w- one last super chat. It was actually from yesterday. Eek44 gave us some money, and I forgot to mention on the show. Thank you. Uh, said I'm touring in my electric car that has a lot of ampere. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that was funny. I love uh, it. And then uh, we had a question from Dreary Spider One. Do you think overclocking will improve with models that have three eight-pin connectors? Uh, this one has three eight-pin connectors. Oh. Uh, I haven't done a lot of manual overclocking on it yet. By a lot, I mean I haven't done it whatsoever because I've been very busy. Uh, 
And it has a custom PCB and all the stuff you want in it to be able to overclock well. And that power will definitely, uh, you know, the, the three eight pins, I think, will be uh, give you cleaner energy to do it with. Uh, but I don't know. We'll have to see. It's not looking promising so far out of the gate, but overclockers always figure something out pretty much. Uh, the one thing I will note that I find very interesting because this does have the three eight pin, whereas the Founders Edition has two eight pin into the twelve pin adapter thing, uh, is that it still has the power limits, just like cards did. So if you're going to overclock your card, you want to go into your overclocking software and bump up the power limits first off. And the manufacturers set that limit to how high it can go. Uh, this one you can only boost it up by five percent. You can boost it up to one hundred five. The Founders Edition card will let you boost it up to 115. So it lets you draw a lot more power through that, even though it has only two 8-pin connectors, which I found weird. And I was playing around a little bit with the 3080 with that bumped up, uh, the Founders Edition with that bumped up to 115, and it was a little bit wonky. So I'm, I'm going to have to test around with it more. But that's just something I find interesting. And is, is that set per board in the BIOS? I mean, yeah. Yeah, it always, they... it always has been. Like, EVGA will roll theirs out, and they'll have whatever. Like, their their basic cards will be able to boost by 2%, but if they have a fully kitted out thing, they'll boost a higher kind of... That 2% number's off the top of my head. It's not real, by the way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I'm, what I'm wondering is if that ever changes over time. Like, you know what? They, they've got these early parts. that They're not comfortable with, say, giving you 115% mm-hmm. boost. Does that ever change? Has that I suppose it could... But in general, I think you should not update your video card BIOS unless you very much know what you're doing. So I would recommend not doing it in most cases. But if you're already overclocking it and going crazy, I mean, you can. One thing to note about this is that it's only a $50 premium, which I I feel is really competitive, actually, for everything that you're getting with it. Uh, It doesn't have a lot of fancy extras. Like, you won't find fan controllers on it like you do in the ASUS boards. Uh you also don't have a dual bio switch. So if you are into overclocking, that lack of a dual bio switch might make you not want this card. Just thought I'd throw that out there. What is that? You know what I want to know? Because I and if you're if you're listening to this or or watching it right now, you should definitely go to Brad's review this morning on that MSL card and look at that comparison photo because it's it big. really is <laughs> It's gigantic. It looks like I I have an ancient dual GPU card in my garage, and this looks as big, if not bigger than that. This thing is just massive. I might, I might pull out. I still have the – oh, yeah, you, you can see it right there. The 295X2, the old oh, honking yeah. Radeon card. <laughs> I might pull it out and put them next to each other for comparison but that's, later. That's actually tiny compared to that uh, – the custom <clears throat> Mars card that Asus made years and years ago. So, But this is – this looks really every bit as big as that. I what I tell you question? what. I tell yeah. you what. Before you ask the question, uh, looking at how big this card is, uh, and knowing that Nvidia used a two-slot design for its Founders Edition, also knowing that Nvidia is using a three-slot design for its 3090 Founders Edition, I can't wait to see how big the 3090 <laughs> custom cards are going to be. I almost wonder if they designed one cooling solution for both, even though that seems like it would be way more expensive but Mm -hmm. i mean i can't imagine a card getting any bigger than this thing you know i know that the stuff that msi sent me in the the press information for this uh the 3090 is largely the same cooler i'm not sure about size uh 
Uh, but it does have some extra stuff in there to help it keep even chillier. I, so my my last question as far as the physical attributes of these cards is I want to know how heavy it is because, I, I mean, that thing's look – it looks like – they basically – they just saw they just solved their thermal issues with just – as you were saying. This is just – let's just throw as much thermal mass at it as we can. I mean, yeah, you can see if you're watching on YouTube all the heat pipes and stuff coming out the end. This thing's freaking huge. Uh, I didn't weigh it. Uh, I never thought about doing that with graphics cards. It really didn't matter in the past. I suppose I should now that they're getting this size. <laughs> uh, but it is very substantial. With a bracket? It came with a metal bracket. Uh, all the custom ones I've seen so far, which are the higher-end ones, have all come with metal brackets. That's how big they are. <laughs> which, I mean, consider this I thing mean, only has... The, the little support that sometimes people use so for to avoid sag. Yeah, it came with that. Yeah, okay. it's called a support bracket. Okay. Uh, this one came with one. It also has this little cute little comic book, actually, how to upgrade your graphics card. Oh, wow. That you go <laughs> all through it, and it's the dragon explaining step by step. And it's actually very excellently done, and I love it. And it ends, it goes all the way to overclocking and stuff like that. It's actually super cool. It's like 10 pages or something like that. Like How, how in-depth does it get? Is it, is it aimed for more like a, a new user? or it's aimed for a new user. It's clearly explaining. Make sure you release the plastic latch kind of a deal, and it's just a visual guide step-by-step with the little dragon. It's pretty cute. I love it. Super cute. <laughs> uh, that's funny. Does it? I just wonder, in, in issue two, does it get into, like, liquid nitrogen and all that stuff? <laughs> or, like, yeah. You know, you have your five-year-old playing with that big old bucket of liquid nitrogen. <laughs> and, like, Custom liquid cooling. Yeah. There's some great comments in chat right now. Paul Keeble on YouTube just said, remember to live with your legs, people. <laughs> it's it's very heavy it's not it's not that bad but it is i think bigger than any other card aside from possibly some super high-end 2080s and 20ti's that i've seen is it yeah. is it effectively a, a four slot card because you wouldn't really No, it's very it... much it's very much three slot but I mean, yeah but because it has the would... fans underneath it yeah you wouldn't want to put something like right against it no yeah. probably not uh i, I mean I you know, could though you because you've got so much You've got probably so much air moving with those fans, you know? Yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe it's, it's just crazy. Smaller. It's it's so big, but it really is, like, silent. Like I said, I test – I know a lot of reviewers test in open test benches <laughs> because they don't want case – potential case perf- – uh, thermals limiting the graphics cards. I find it's useful to test in cases because that's how people actually use these things, so that's why I do it. And like I said – I could not hear the fans over the other fans in my system, and, and you don't see that very often. So, uh, for a friend no, of the show, Big really Mama good. in the house was asking, uh, "What was your uh, room temperature when testing?" Uh, seventy-seven. Oh, I think boy. that's that's a pretty that's a healthy dose of ambience right there. Mm. Yeah, I just um, I I I am actually impressed by both the FE and this MSI card though because. You are getting just like super quiet. They basically, well, you can't get all the clocks right now, but um, we'll make it super quiet, right? Which is yep. really nice because you play long enough on most NVIDIA Founders editions and they, they eventually get loud. But I'm also impressed that NVIDIA was able to essentially squeeze a similar amount of cooling into a tiny little card, you know? Yeah, it took a. Uh, Steve at Gamers Nexus did a teardown of the card last night, which is very interesting to watch. You should watch it. It's a very unauthorized design. But if you look at the PCB in this on the Founders Edition, 
Like there is not a millimeter of space that's not used by something on there. It's even crazier than uh, Nvidia's photos made it look. Do you think the, like uh, adding card makers just said, like you know what if we're gonna upsell this, we need to give people some some feeling that they're getting more value out of the Founders Edition, you know? Yeah, hundred percent. Like I was kind of alluding to yesterday, I'm surprised Nvidia brought it so hard with the Founders Edition. Uh, I'm curious to see if they make a lot of stock available of it because that's the baseline MSRP. It looks real nice aside from the adapter. Uh, you know, it offers virtually the same performance uh, as far as actual gaming as something like this for $50 less. I still feel this is worth the $50 premium for what you're getting out of it. But NVIDIA is really, you know, moving in, edging in on his partners here, I think. And I'm curious to see if they plan on selling a lot of Founders Edition cards or just have a little bit to make it like the Halo product kind of a deal. I mean, it also feels like it's really a, a technology demonstration too. We can, yeah. we can, we can show you what we can do if we really put our brains into the thermals on it. Yep, yep. But yeah, so yeah, it's a good card. Uh, you can't buy it anymore because all the RTX 3080s sold out uh, very quickly. Some people said they didn't even see them and they were spamming refresh, but it, it was just a kind cluster of cluster this we, morning. We Between had... that and the PlayStation Five stuff last night, I mean, it's been a rough. 24 hours for gamers <laughs> and uh, I just well asked... people were lining up for those 3080s mm-hmm. right outside of micro center like mm-hmm. a Ryzen part uh, and uh, i just asked in chat and or earlier ago if anyone actually uh got one and at least one person in chat said that they got one uh everybody else said no <laughs> yeah I've, I've heard from one or two people uh on twitter who said they managed to squeeze one in but uh, I hear from much more people who said, oh, I got it into my cart. But by the time I checked out my cart that split second later, it was out of stock. Yeah. Crazy. Wow. Yeah, uh, I believe the person on YouTube who said they got it also mentioned that they had to go to a, a lesser known retailer that happened to have like a couple of, I, I guess, pre-orders that no one picked up where they had extra stock or something. So that's one of the methods to get it, I guess. Yeah, oh, so hopefully. there were there were some pre-orders then, or no? They're I, not pre-orders. It's just on sale today. Today yeah, is the day that the sorry, sale like, happened. but that was the wording the person used. I don't know what country they're in, so I don't know what the situation was like over there. So, Brad, uh, would you buy? What circumstances should a person buy a Founders Edition card versus buying an aftermarket card like this MSI? Well, it's going to depend a lot on availability for the next couple of months, I would say, at the very least. So just get one that you can get if you want it. Uh, But assuming everything's available and in stock and everything, I think the Founders Edition is a good card. Uh, Like, it's way better than past reference cards, even though this is a fully custom Founders Edition, have been. uh, And you won't be unhappy with it. Uh, The big consideration is, like I said, temperatures... Uh, noise levels. Do you want virtually? Si- do you want silent or do you want quiet? Because that's the difference between these two cards. A big one. Uh, the the eight pin power connectors. Whether how you feel about that. If you plan on overclocking the card, I would feel much more comfortable with something like this that has the trio of eight pin power connectors. Uh, but I think the size should be your biggest consideration probably unless you are an overclocker who's looking into overclocking things like that mm-hmm. uh because the founder's edition is that two slot model uh the the unique design might make it real funky in small form factor cases uh but this won't fit into form small form factor cases either and it might not fit 
into like a modestly sized mid tower case if you have a sound card or something else in there, uh, NVMe riser or whatever, because uh, this thing is so big. But if you're having, you know, just a standard desktop with nothing else in it, this should fit fine. I wonder if motherboards are going to come out with extra space in between PCIe slots to be like, you know what? Instead of burning those <laughs> slots, let's move them down a little bit. Uh, You're going to have actually, to go ATX. Yeah. We, we also have a um, uh, 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 past guest of the show, Kyle from Hard OCP, said uh, a poll on Hardform. Uh, four people out of the 150 in the poll got uh, a card, one direct from EGA, the rest from Micro Center. That, yeah. must, that must say something about actual inventory, right? I mean, rather than actually people not wanting to buy these or yeah there was uh, a twitter yeah. post i think you actually shared gordon and in that like saga this person was basically live tweeting their adventure of like literally physically standing in line waiting for the card mentioned that there are only 10 at the store yeah i saw another one that said 15 yep i yep. uh i was talking with ryan who used to work at creative another past guest of the show on twitter and he was saying he actually had five different stores all refreshing Reddit nine and wasn't able to get them. So I think I think stocks are probably pretty low, but I also think there is a huge amount of pent up demand for this. So I think it's it's a little bit of both, but I think it's probably more stock levels in a in a weird year. It's nobody's fault. They would want to sell these as fast as they can make them. Right. It's just a yeah, weird year. So, so um, one other question I have is it is uh, is is informing people of which one to buy. If you have a case that doesn't have the greatest airflow, which do you think is going to be better? Because, you know, blower is not great for low air, uh, airflow cases. I think, I think that if you're investing in a card like this, you should spend the extra 5 to 20 bucks and get that extra case fan if you need it. If you just have one or two good ones in the front and one in the back, I mean, that gives you good, decent enough airflow. Uh, that being said... If you don't have a lot of airflow and you're not wanting to put another fan in your case for whatever reason, I would probably lean towards the NVIDIA design because it has that blower-style fan in the back that actually seems to shoot a lot of the heat out the back of the system. Uh, And the flow-through one in the front is much cooler air than what I feel coming out of the back of the system. So I feel like you'd have more of the hot air exiting your system, whereas opposed to an axial cooler like this, you would have it all just getting recirculated back right. into your case. And I, I said it backwards earlier. Blowers are better for uh, cases with low airflow. So yeah, I'm kind of form factor, right? I, I'm kind of bummed that between the Founders Edition cards and what we saw from Radeon, where it's the end of blower style reference coolers, because I actually, even though I think most people should buy custom cards, I really you know, value what blower style coolers bring to the table. Like, cause it is, it won't run as good as a, you know, fully custom card like this just because of its very nature, but it blows all the high air straight out of the system. So it's a lot easier to fit into SLI setups or small form factor cases. And it makes it so, you know, PC makers like Dell and HP don't have to worry about adding extra stuff to compensate for it. They just shoot out the back. So I'm kind of bummed that, the, both AMD and NVIDIA have moved away from that for their reference cards. I totally get it because we're getting into hot and heavy levels of performance now. Yeah, but I mean, sometimes I wonder how much of that is based on community feedback, too. I mean, it's really, yeah. 
I really feel, and this is again, I'm blaming you, Internet, because it's like, you know what? This AMD blower design sucks. You shouldn't even make these things. Why'd you even make these stupid blower cars? They're the worst thing ever. I'm going to put it on Twitter and 50 different forum posts about how terrible blower cards are. NVIDIA, your blower cards suck too. No one should make blower cards. Mm. Oh, man. You know, I really miss blower cards for a small mm-hmm. form factor. You know, it's just, well, you know. I tell you what, I don't know if they'd be able to get a blower card with something that has this much power going through it. Uh, but AMD's specific blower design does suck. Like, it's always been terrible. It's been terrible with Vega 64. It's been terrible with yeah. 290X. NVIDIA's blower-style coolers, you know, they're not as good as the other stuff, but but they're not bad. Loud. They so get a little it's, loud. Right? Yeah, but they weren't awful. Like, but, you know, 290X. I mean, it's just that I think it's, it's going to be one of those things where the Radeon 6000 will come out and people will complain, like, that it needs to have a blower style because they want to put in a small form factor after, you know, they basically did a three axial fan design, right? So <laughs> No, I, I am glad that they made that change. I'm just also kind of like, oh man, blower style coolers still have a place and I hope they continue to exist. But, uh, yeah. Real quick, uh, we got a $10 super chat from Frank PDX 42 Thank you. Uh, didn't leave a question or anything, but we appreciate it. Uh, <clears throat> thank you. And then uh, Peter H had a very pointed question earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's always people worried about uh, the, their system and power draw and stuff. Uh, yep. They have an, uh, a Ryzen 7 3700X with a Seasonic um, 750 watt. Are they good to go with a 380? You should be, yes. Uh, again, like I teased earlier, I have a card about power, going uh, article about power considerations going up tomorrow on PC World, so you can go there for more. But uh, 750 watts... You should definitely you should definitely be doing good with that, especially if it's eighty plus rated in some way. Uh, the only consideration would be if you know you've had it for ten years and over ran it with crazy overclock cards and stuff like that. It might not be as efficient as a newer one, but testing with this thing maxed out in an overclocked eighty seven hundred K system to five gigahertz in games that hammer both the CPU and the GPU. So that'd be the worst case power draw. And I have a system with a CPU liquid cooler and 32 gigs of RAM and two SSDs. Uh, the most I saw was just below 550 watts of power. So that's the most I saw in this particular system as far as power draw goes. If you have something like a 3950X overclocked to hell, uh, your numbers might look very different. But... I consider this, you know, a pretty standard setup kind of a scenario, and it won't get anywhere near 750 watts. Of course, again, if you're going to over, if you're going to overclock the card and all that stuff, I, I think board makers tend to be pretty conservative with their power supply estimates. Uh, so, if you're matching the 750 watts that Nvidia recommends, I think you'll be very much good to go in any scenario. And and he did say, or she said, that it was a it was a good brand power supply, right? That's also a, yeah, Seasonic. Yeah, yeah, Seasonic's real. So yep. I mean, not, if you did like a Gordon job, it'd be like <laughs> a 750 sticker, and it wouldn't even be close to 750. So. Yeah, I actually put it in my my own personal system has a high end Gigabyte Aorus motherboard X5 370 first gen, uh, and an EVGA 650 watt Platinum, so a high a higher a Platinum but a 650-watt power supply, and the Founders Edition worked just fine in it, you know, playing on it a couple nights while I'm testing other stuff in my other system, uh, and it held up just fine, uh, so that's encouraging. I personally, if I was going to 
make it my full-time thing, I would want at least the 750 watts that NVIDIA recommends. And it sounds like you have that, so you're good to go. Nice. Um, we had a, <clears throat> a question from front of the show, Dennis Siberian. Uh, does Brad know where NVIDIA and AMD source their memory for their uh, GPUs? And what and what tech process is it? We know a lot about the main chip, so it'd be cool to catch up on VRAM. Uh, it's Micron, is what they're using inside of the RTX thirty eighty and thirty ninety because they worked with Micron specifically to make it's called GDDR six X, which uh, uses called PAM four signaling, so it can effectively transfer twice as much information because rather than using two code values like zeros and ones uh it does four so zero one two three four so it can trans it gets much higher bandwidth from it uh so yeah i know these ones are micron all the 3080s and 3090s uh don't know what amd is going to be doing with the rx 6000 series yet nice uh also uh frank who had given us the uh the super chat earlier uh Chimed in with a question. Uh, years ago, someone made a car that sounded like a leaf blower. Uh, do you remember <laughs> that card, Gordon? I have one downstairs. It's the mm-hmm. FX5800, right? I can't remember the actual number. Is it 5800? Mine's is even unbranded. They basically, it, it was quite beautiful, though. It was the GeForce one they made a video with, right? Yeah, it was an yeah. AGP card. It was the original FX. It was the post 3DFX purchase. It was the FX5800, I believe, but it had this really cool looking french horn shape on it that was actually pretty neat we we actually showed it off in a, a video where i showed the card a picture of the card off and uh it it sucks the air in from outside the case blows it through it and blows it back out right it's a pretty it's a nifty design but the acoustics on it were just just horrible so <laughs> well cool so, i mean sounds like you've got uh you've got more cards to check out too we can always revisit this topic anything else yep, uh, before uh, we move on Nope, uh, that's it. I'm hoping to have at least one other custom 3080 review up sometime. I'm not sure when in the next week. Uh, next week on the 24th, the 3090 hits the streets. So if that's 1500 bucks, if you missed out on the 3080, but you have deep pockets, that might be a little more realistic for you to grab than the 3080 was. Uh, hopefully we'll have a review around that. Uh, can't really talk NDAs or anything like that. But yeah, so that's next week. I am very interested in 3090 because that is the one thing that we just don't know yeah. how well it performs, right? That's Yeah, they just said uh 8K. They just they didn't say much about it, say other than BFGPU they called it. They don't even call it the flagship. They call the 3080 the flagship and call the 3090 the BFGPU. And they rolled out a new version of DLSS to make it playable on 8k displays which i don't have but i'm gonna use virtual super resolution to try to benchmark anyway wow i mean crazy yeah uh you know what else is crazy gordon uh this uh xe graphic performance on tiger oh yes am i right you want to you yeah in fact you want to throw in that bonus slide I, I cranked that out last yeah, night. Yeah, well, so. well first, first I'll say uh, we we uh, we recorded a video uh, which launched earlier today. It's like fifty plus minutes of going over all the benchmarks for for Tiger Lake and the you know how it compares to Ryzen four thousand. Uh, so definitely go watch that video. But we've we've got one bonus slide that wasn't in that video just for you lovely uh, full nerd fans. Yeah. Uh, so so what's what's this slide, Gordon? That's the uh, that's basically crisis. That is. Uh... 2007? 2007's Crisis, the original Crisis that kicked off the whole Can It Run Crisis meme. 
And if you lived through it, you knew what it was like. On um, 10 pixels I, by 7 pixels. That's what that, yeah, that grid was, is? Yeah, uh, okay. 10 by 7. And I ran that basically at, you know, 1024 by 768 for people who don't understand what, what that is. On the very high setting, I thought it was DX 720p, 10, honestly. Uh, no, because that's... 1366. No, that's almost like you should have wrote it out. 13 by 7. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. Um, Because no, 720p is 7. What? What is that like? uh, 1280 by 720? Yes. That's it's half. It's half uh, 1080p, right? But that's basically crisis running on Intel's Tiger Lake uh, CPU. This is the one that's going into basically ultra books, you know, those thin and light sub three pounds. Some of them actually a little higher. It is a quad core design. Uh, but, you know, the big news is the graphics cores, XE graphics are really impressive for an integrated part, right? And we're running crisis. It's actually faster, as you can see in the chart, than a Ryzen 4000. In fact, that's the Ryzen 7. Fastest one I've seen. Ryzen 7 4800U with uh, eight uh, Radeon cores. So it's actually, what, 20% faster? 30% fast, 20 to 25% faster than than a Ryzen. And this is Intel integrated graphics, for God's sake. And uh, you're also seeing performance of Crisis uh, for the older Ice Lake Iris Plus, as well as the older horrible Intel HD graphics that uh, it, Intel has been trying to leave behind for many years now. The the basics are, again, as we mentioned, you can go look at a review video as well as a story on PC World. But the story on Tiger Lake is four cores, ten nanometers, not really plus anymore. Ten nanometers, super thin, hits really high clocks. Uh, the f- highest clock iris that I saw in PC Windows PCs was basically three point eight gigahertz, and this is. 4.8 gigahertz on single threaded 4.3 gigahertz on all cores so it has very high single core very light threaded performance advantage over Ryzen as well as its siblings an awesome graphics core faster than Ryzen by you know 25 to 30 percent generally and of course the other thing that's interesting is uh, it also has fantastic AI performance which has been a difficult thing to test ever since Intel pushed it out with Skylake X, but we are to the point where you have consumer applications that now will use uh, OpenVINO and the AI capabilities of the CPU, and it really does pay impressive dividends for applications that support it. They're actually pretty cool apps. Look at the video again where we tested it, but for you know image recognition all kinds of uh, ups, upscaling you know very advanced ai based upscaling it it womps all over ice lake common lake u as well as ryzen um, so it's it's a very impressive chip and it can't be said you can't you can't leave that review without saying that yeah ryzen comes back and punches it really hard in anything that you're going to use uh, many cores on if you're going to run Cinebench, if you're going to run any 3D rendering, a lot of older encoders that are CPU-based and not using the advanced graphics or video engines in these chips, Ryzen's going to going to clean his clock. But uh, Tiger Lake with AI, with gaming performance, actual gaming performance, not just Crisis, you know, Far Cry, uh, Deus Ex. There's many, many games I ran that XC was ahead of it. It has an advantage there, and of course AI. So in it's really core. weird. In single cores threaded, it's almost like 
we're a little bit like that standoff we had in desktop where Intel's had that high clock advantage, not as many cores as Ryzen. AMD's had more cores, right? And of course, you know, better thermals. So the, the good news for Tiger Lake is it doesn't really have that, you know, handcuff, thermal handcuff that those 14 nanometer parts had. Uh, if you look at some of the performance we got out of that Comet Lake U, 14 nanometer, six cores didn't cut it. Uh, the Tiger Lake with four cores was every bit as fast as a six core Comet Lake. And that's usually because Comet Lake just could not hold those clocks because it would heat up and then the clocks would fall off uh, the face of the planet. So it's a really strong chip. Uh, Intel's argument, if you're the, if you go into the Best Buy and you got an Intel guy in the blue shirt or gal trying to sell you it, they would say, look, we give you AI, we give you better game performance, and we give you really, really good single-threaded light performance, which is, that's all you're going to do anyway. You're going to use Office, you're going to use Chrome, you're going to do this stuff. You're not going to really do 3D rendering. That's going to be their pitch. You're going to go next door, talk to the AMD pitch person. They're going to say, look, you really need all these cores. More cores is better. More cores is a feature. People will add support for more cores. 3D renderer, if you're doing uh, uh, video encoding, if you're using advanced photo applications that actually use more cores, we give you the advantage there, right? And we actually give you maybe not as good as XC, but we give you damn good gaming performance too. We're not, yeah, not some bad. Intel HD part, right? So that's basically the pitch you're going to get from the blue shirt and the red shirt at the store. Pick your laptop based on what works for you, not what the internet tells you. I just find it super interesting that you can play games on a three-pound laptop now. That's wild. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, and I know they're going to try to give me hell over this, but I ran uh, RDR2, Red Dead Redemption mm-hmm. 2. I ran it on uh, Radeon, and it was about eight and a half frames a second at uh, 1080p, you know, like a medium, l- yeah. you know, normal, normal to lowish, because that is that game is just, it's just, it's, a, it's, it's brutal, right? It's a brutal game. Yeah. I ran it on tiger lake and uh, it didn't finish because tiger lakes uh, graphics card drivers are immature this is not a final product it was definitely far smoother and i don't really know i i really should run it again with fraps enabled but i mean it looked to me like maybe 15 15 a close to smooth 15 to 16 <laughs> which you know but that's 1080p teens. Yeah. That's 1080 and Red Dead Redemption. When, and, yep. you know, come on, t- 2080 Ti parts were like, we're screaming when you ran it, right? So yep. you're definitely not going to be running RDR2 at 1080p. Maybe even 720p might be a problem. But you could actually play AAA games on XC and get a, a way better experience than you ever got out of the bulk of Intel's HD parts. Radeon, of course, was better. Ice Lake was better as well. But XE is really good message on gaming, and then you sort of you sort of couple that with the high, you know, uh, uh, single threaded uh, clocks of Tiger Lake, and it's a very it's going to be very interesting for people who have to play games on you know three pound laptops. Nice. I can't wait to see Tiger Lake in the H class chips. Is what this made me realize. Yeah. Yes, because they they have confirmed there's an eight core part, and you know it really made me think. Intel's messaging, and I agree with this somewhat, and I think it's almost fair. It's like, you know, look, uh, and this is an XPS 13. You're running Outlook. You're running Excel. You're using Chrome, right? Mm-hmm. 
what the hell does it matter? Go buy what you want. At that point, it doesn't really matter as long as it's not an atom. But any generation core part, any generation rising part, it doesn't matter, right? That's Intel's argument. It's like, you know, we think you should buy core because we give you Thunderbolt. Uh, the laptops are just nicer on our side of the aisle. That's not really a great argument. Like, ah, you don't really care, but I do. I do think that is fair. And on the gaming, on the H parts with those gaming laptops, the argument from Intel, uh, and I do agree with this, and I wholeheartedly will say that it is true that if you're a gamer and you want to play games, you're going to buy an Intel laptop. But it's not because you want an Intel processor because you get higher single clock, single core clock speeds necessarily. It's mostly because, hey. I can't get no 2080 and Radeon with a Ryzen, right? And if I'm going to take a 2080 with a Core i7 versus a 2060 with a Ryzen 9 and I play games, I'm taking that 2080. You know, it's just like there's just no – basically, NVIDIA is bailing Intel out right now on gaming laptops because otherwise, if you had 2080 Ryzen's versus 2080 Comet Lake H laptops, it's going to be really hard to, to recommend Intel. But right now, you have no choice. You get the Tiger Lake H, you get an 8-core chip if it can hold high clocks, as it probably should since it's 10 nanometer with super fin. Mm-hmm. They're going to be competitive. They're going to be – I think they're really going to have some pushback on, on Ryzen uh, H-series, you know. Love to see it. Uh, also, we, we had, you know, uh, a comment, at least one comment in the, the YouTube video Um but you know, I, I want to ask, what is this? And I, I almost wanted to ask it in the video too, but it was going kind of long. What is? What do you think this means for desktop XE cards? I don't know. It's 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 hard to. I mean, the, it looks like definitely Intel can pull it off. XE looks like a very decent graphics core. Are they going to be able to scale it up to match AMD and Nvidia? You know, Nvidia and AMD are they are hard charging moving targets. So they basically have to get an XE graphics part that is competitive. I, I think what's probably going to happen with XE is, you know, NVIDIA and AMD are going to keep charging along and XE can only sort of land. They're going to get their final product, what they can make with the yield, with the price that they're happy with. And then they're just going to have to price it against somewhere in NVIDIA and an AMD stack, I think. I don't think you're going to be like, oh, damn, 2090 killer. I don't think that's going to happen. So it'll probably be like, but, you know, if you can get 30, 60 performance at maybe 30% off or 40% off, if Intel just wants to get in there and mess with AMD and NVIDIA, more power to them, right? Competition's good. Reading, or not reading because I haven't read it, but listening to you talk about this, I'm actually interested to see if they wind up putting like this version of Z, the integrated version, into desktops because we're talking about how great it is to you know, have a laptop that's three pounds that you can game on. It'd be sweet if, because Intel chips all have integrated graphics, it would be sweet yeah. if eventually these Z graphics wind up inside being the stock default graphics in Intel chips, and then pretty much every Intel desktop system you can game on, even if it's just a crap office PC to some yep. degree. And I think that would be a real game changer. Right. I think so too, because I mean... I haven't looked at the Steam hardware hardware survey in a while, but integrated graphics were still pretty high on it last time I checked. So, this raising the uh, the lowest common denominator bar would be good for games and games development in general. Yeah, it'll be fantastic. The only 
and this is what's always, I think, killed Intel in the past where they never even came out with their part is because by the time they're ready to do it, NVIDIA and AMD constantly fighting with each other, squabbling, pushing better parts down because they don't need them anymore. Yep. That the, the tide is constantly going higher and higher. So it's awesome for what it is now. But when you're basically getting, say, an RX 580 for, you know, $80, then no, it's not that great, right? So Yeah, but I mean, if this chip, you know, the integrated chip that you just tested uh, can run Red Dead Redemption 2 at medium at 1080p at 20 frames a second or so. I mean, it's going to play... That's a little high. Rocket, Maybe yeah, 17, 15, 15. Whatever. All right. 15. Then it's going to run Rocket League and League of Legends just fine. Uh, yeah. And that, I think, is very exciting for the future of desktops if it winds up happening over there, too. Yeah, no, it's a solid... You know, if you're playing esports games, it's a very solid... It, it's a very solid 1080p um, uh, graphics chip or mm-hmm. CPU. I would say Intel always made that claim with Iris. They were trying to make that claim with Intel HD graphics. Like, look, you can play 1080p gaming. It's like, uh, no, I'm not going to play 1080p at like, you know, 12 frames a second. It was just ridiculous. It was, you would just lower the resolution, right? It's just, no, it's just, this is, this is a legit esports, you know, capable of, you know, satisfactory gaming at 1080p. And, uh, you know, for some AAA games, you know, probably seven, I wouldn't, Myself, I would not play over 720p, you know, mm-hmm. and some things turned down, but it's it's a it's a it's a real decent chip. One one thing I do wonder it, it'll be interesting to look at is I didn't look at how much die space that Intel basically threw at its XE graphics versus how much AMD throws at its Ryzen part. I mean, one is seven nanometer, one is ten nanometer, but it'd be interesting to see if AMD basically spent half their die space on graphics and the rest on, you know, CPU cores. And uh, Intel basically spent 75% of their die space on, on graphics. So you yep. could sort of see like AMD dialing it up or AMD or Intel dialing it down based on what they think people are going to use. And, you know, I, I think Intel has a solid argument for why its approach is better. And AMD does as well. Mm-hmm. Uh well you know we're we're running out of time so yep. uh people should definitely read the read the article go watch the video lots of information on that laptop stuff uh but I want to talk about something that'll play higher than 720p we're talking about the new consoles Gordon so, so yeah. somebody somebody on Discord <laughs> uh, real quick asked earlier um <laughs> your, uh, I oh, saw this question Kazim, so said uh, which which console is Gordon definitely not buying. I'm definitely well. I will say I act. I'm. I will. I've never done this before. BBC but I, I'm going to admit because I. I'm a total hypocrite. I'm a total hypocrite. I'm going to admit to you right now at YouTube. Uh, I uh, pre-ordered both the PlayStation Five and the Xbox Series X because, and then hear me out. This is totally fair. Why I'm being a hypocrite because I've evolved on this and I pre-ordered both of them. Mm-hmm. But I, I had heard about three months ago that consoles had just whooped the pc i mean this just like look at this you're getting basically you're going to get the performance of a 2080 2080 from a 500 console so we clearly were be, going to be beat by the console so i hung my head i i ordered the xbox and the playstation because i realized yeah. they're just you were the pc is just not going to beat the console 
right? Yeah, I mean, it just- totally makes sense to me because you had a time machine that went forward to September 22nd so that you could pre-order the Xbox Series X and then oh, you yeah. came no, back. That's crazy. Now, of course, I'm making that up. I'm giving you crap because all that flexing, all the months of flexing <laughs> we got from, oh, what do you do now, PC? Look at Xbox and PlayStation is going to kick your butt. I, who was saying now? that? Well, I tell you what. They were saying that, Adam. No, no. I was saying it's stronger head. than the <laughs> previous generation, but nobody's being like, oh, yeah, this is way better than a PC. Oh, I, I think no this is... By PC or console players. It is not going to be possible to build a PC for the same price yeah. as you can get these consoles for uh, yeah. when you get them. Now that we know the pricing for all this, so basically they're all 500 bucks. Like I was saying earlier, this... You know, this year, sometime in a full nerd, I fully expected seven hundred dollars for the Xbox Series X, and I was figuring they'd be losing money on that, and more than five hundred bucks for the PlayStation Five. But they're both coming out at five hundred bucks. Uh, that'll give you eight core Ryzen chips. Uh, it's good. They're both going to have PCIe four NVMe SSDs, I believe. Uh, they're going to have graphics that have more cores than the the Radeon graphics that have more cores than the Radeon 5700 XT. Uh, and the PlayStation is going to be clocked real high, whereas the Xbox Series X is going to have a lot more cores. It's They're going to be a great value for the 500 If you have $500 to build a gaming PC or to get one of these, uh, the, the, you're not going to be able to get a gaming PC anywhere near this. So I, speaking of price, um, just to reiterate for people who don't follow with consoles, so PlayStation 5 came out yesterday, confirmed that the disc version will be 500. The discless version, which has the same specs, but just no disc drive, will be 400. Well, um, the Xbox Series consoles, the Xbox Series X will be $500, includes a disk drive. And then the Xbox Series S, which does not have a disk drive and also is lower specced, will be $300. Um, the Xbox consoles come out first on November 10th, and the PlayStation consoles come out two days later on November 12th. Um, I I was talking about this in Discord on Discord, and I... I wanted to say that I was right, that I had said, Mm -hmm. I don't think they're going to go above 500. And you guys kept saying, no, there's no way. And I was like, okay, I guess I could see it at 600. But I just want to say that I should have stuck to my instincts Mm -hmm. because of all of us, I'm the only one who's ever covered consoles. (laughs) Well, well, Elena, I have it on good authority from uh, my moles high up in the Uh C-suite at Sony and Microsoft that apparently they were going to be $600. But... 30 series is so good, they had to lower the price. <laughs> um, no. Confirmed. There we go. I, I can't <laughs> believe we hadn't heard this information Yeah, I'm, I'm surprised you didn't get a call from uh, Nadella yeah, no. directly right now on air to like confirm this. Actually, I, um, I was surprised. I, I didn't realize that both the PS4 and the PS4 Pro came out at 400 So this is actually a jump for the PS4. Uh, so yeah, I was, I was, I was cause I, the one before that was 500 though. The PS3, well, the PS3 was 600. Six, yeah. 600. Yeah. Six. So I, I was like, it's actually cause the series X came out at 500 already. So they've played in that price range. I, I was surprised PS5 went up. It's, it's uh, kind of a big difference mm-hmm. because the, the Xbox one and the PlayStation four 
had much more modest hardware inside relative to the time at PCs as opposed to what they're stuffing into this now. Like yeah. they launched with Jaguar cores and the equivalent of like a $300 graphics card or something like that. Uh, and now they're, you know, have more cores than a $400 Radeon RX 5700 and, and they have Ryzen. So I'm not surprised to see the, the numbers jump up because the last gen consoles were very like meh in my opinion. <laughs> That's true, but I also don't think they really significantly have jumped in the eyes of most people because mm. most people are going to get the discless version. They're going to get the $400 one. Um, the the scuttlebutt I saw on Twitter yesterday when pre-orders went up briefly for like a hot second um, from most of the people that I know that jumped that on them, it was a mess. And so <sighs> the people that I know who jumped on them ended up getting a, like a disc version. They didn't want to, but they were mm. just like, I'd rather have something than nothing. So a couple yeah. of my friends definitely confirmed that they had gone up $100 and they didn't want to. Jeff, this? Jeff Grubb, who covers gaming for VentureBeat, uh, he was doing a bunch. He was reacting to the mess of a PlayStation 5 pre-order situation, doing calls and stuff. And he was calling around and a bunch of uh, his sources at different stores were saying they had like 15 to 20 $500 PlayStations for pre-order. And like four of the discless versions. So Sony definitely wants you buying the more expensive one if you know those stock levels are in the indication. They they probably want that, but I'm gonna guess the public is going to go yeah. for the cheaper one. So yeah. materially, it's still four hundred dollars, I think, to most people. And they and I think consoles like software sales are now about like roughly seventy percent as what I've heard for digital sales. So I think a lot of people have made the transition to buying digital, so they won't mind the lack of disc as much. I would still probably get a disc version just because if I'm going to have this thing on my living room console, like media console type thing, I might as well just have an all-in-one type thing instead of like this for this, this for this, this for that. But yeah, so I'm I'm not too surprised because at least they have the option. I, I think if they had just said only one SKU, it's $500, that would have caused much more like sticker shock and people were kind of being like, hmm why the jump i mean and this is i can't remember the last console generation or if this ever happened where you know the a console came out with two different options at launch and now both consoles so there's four different options at launch which is is Wild. i think a good thing it <laughs> gives more yeah. gives more choice it's uh, just also following the model of smartphones now people are accustomed to having more choices yeah, too I, I think yeah. it would be too antiquated for them to say this is the one choice you get take it or leave it also, yeah. isn't, isn't there's there, one color option. It comes in black. Didn't uh, maybe I'm wrong, but I thought I read somewhere that there is one more difference between the two PS5s, and it involves the uh, the upgrade. Uh, like the, the the disc version gets free um, PS4 to PS5 like upgrades, where the discless version doesn't. Right, because it's based on the disc that you own. Yeah, so I yeah. think if you have the disc and you put it in, then you can play the PlayStation Five version for free. But if you don't have a disc version then you don't get that perk so i mean it's it's something you know uh, at least people should should know um yeah, i think I, the xbox is going to womp on the playstation though really why like power because as sales? far as like once it actually not in sales but in power uh <laughs> because i think playstation definitely has the brand and it's probably going to get off to a big I wouldn't be surprised if it comes off to Billy, especially because Microsoft now is like, hey, you know, just subscribe to Game Pass and play on your PC or on the $300 console. It doesn't matter to us. Uh, but the Xbox Series X has 50 
two Radeon Compute units in it, whereas uh, the PlayStation only has 36. So that's a significant difference. Uh, the PlayStation uses AMD SmartShift technology, which debuted in Ryzen 4000 laptops. So when the CPU isn't working hard, it can give more system power to the graphics so that they can go all the way up to, I think, like 2.2 gigahertz for graphics speed on the PlayStation, which is higher than Xbox. But that compute unit difference is massive. And I think once, you know, Microsoft actually manages to make games that take advantage of that, which doesn't look like they're doing very well at launch, uh, you're going to see a big difference between the Xbox Series X and the PlayStation 5. Yeah, I'd agree with that assessment, Brad, because I actually have a, a smart shift laptop downstairs that I'm still have to review. But I looked at some of the smart shift and it's pretty cool that you can mm-hmm. see it move back and forth between the GPU and CPU. It definitely goes more to the, the GPU than the CPU. But if it's similar to that, I don't think it's going to overcome that disparity in compute units because that's, mm-hmm. that's a that's lot. big. Yeah. I yeah. do think that's a little bit of a PC centric view, though, because yeah, um, just because we're going purely off hardware, I think the exclusives and the franchises that PlayStation has mm-hmm. is going to be in its favor. And so yep. that's honestly what can sway a lot of console buyers. And honestly, a lot of people are multi platform gamers because of that situation with exclusives. Oh, I you don't know, think I could... Brad's, Brad's not talking about sales, though. He's talking about performance. I mean, he's talking about performance, but I think, I mean, in terms of how that's going to affect the audience reception to it, I just, I just don't think that it will make as much of a splash as we on the PC side will, you know, view it as. Yeah, I totally agree with you. And I think Sony did a good job during its event yesterday, driving that home, showing all the trailers for Final Fantasy 16 and Resident Evil and all that stuff. I mean, Uh, (laughs) to me, I think since PlayStation won so hard, having a friends list alone is severe lock-in on the consoles much more course, so than on pc course, yeah that too i, I Although, think that's... with that software i gotta say though it was hilarious that they're like look at all you can get on playstation 5 blog posts asterisk you can get most of these like big mm-hmm. premiere games on playstation 4 at some point too mm-hmm. and they're running on PC. on pc well except for they walked i heard they walked back a couple of those they said oh it's... yeah they did but it's still coming yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I mean at, at, i think obviously PS5, you know, is going to benefit from the the awesome moment of PS4 had, you know, like they they've obviously have uh, more exclusives that uh, I've heard people be more interested in, or at least you know be like, oh okay, well I'm locked into the system because of that, uh, and I also think they've really driven home the fact that that hey this is a new hardware cycle this is like a classic new console it's going to knock the socks off the old console where you know years ago Nintendo made that pivot away from trying to play the the same fight and just do something different and i think microsoft is starting to do that too you know where it's just like hey you know what it's like apple we got the new iphone you know get the new one if you want we got the old iphone you know get the old one if you want too. just as long as you're buying the apps subscribing to our services you know whatever we'll we'll offer it to you which you know i I think is great because now you have three companies playing three different ball games you know uh and offering three different like uh like like options for gamers and and yeah, more options is obviously better. I do think it's really interesting because uh, now that we know the prices, to see how low the console prices are relative to the hardware you get in them, and the fact that they have such different approaches. Because, I mean, looking at the the performance 
you're going to get in a series X and it's $500. It's very obviously a loss leader. Like it's obviously a loss leader for Microsoft and they're trying to do the whole services model, right? Where it's like, mm-hmm. let's get you into the ecosystem. Let's lock you into a subscription that you can't, you know, do without eventually. And, you know, maybe we'll put you on a, a subscription plan so that over time you end up paying more for these things. Um, Whereas Sony is also pricing it. I mean, the hardware isn't probably going to be as expensive for them in terms of production costs, but it's still probably a loss leader for them to some degree. And they're not promoting services like they don't have a competing service to Game Pass um, Ultimates for sure, or even just Game Pass in general, like PS Now is not particularly great. Um, And then you still have to subscribe to that separately from PlayStation Plus, which is, you know, the equivalent to Xbox Live Gold, which enables like the multiplayer and you get the PS Now is streaming too, right? Yeah. So PlayStation Now is the streaming service. And it was, I think, was it used to be like on live or something, right? Yeah. Yeah. But they never really, they've never really, they've never done much with it. They've never done much with it. It's not particularly great. Yeah. It's, not really particularly great they don't promote it heavily um and then the playstation plus service is more equivalent to xbox live uh, yeah xbox live gold mm-hmm. which is the enables multiplayer and all that you know the free games per month that kind of stuff but they don't promote that heavily too outside of like join so you can play with your friends um so i'm kind of wondering if they're trying to make money based on uh volume like if they're anticipating to just sell so many consoles that they can kind of make up for it over time I think they're going to lose some freaking money. I think that there's a reason that both consoles are waited so long to put their pricing out. I think $500, Microsoft's definitely losing money. But I think at $400, definitely. But even 500 bucks, I wouldn't be surprised if Sony's losing more money and they're not happy about the price point. It's and they're not able to make it up on services. Because the they're, way, they're not know? Microsoft. Yeah, they don't, have, they don't have services. They don't have other divisions. So... And they don't have the PC, you know, because I mean, that's the thing. I think more PS5 sales will happen than either of the, you know, of any of the Xboxes. But I think Microsoft's going to make more money because they're going to get more people locked into services where, you know, Sony doesn't have that. Just to bring it back to the, you know, PC world angle, uh, I personally find the Xbox Series X much more appealing as if I was going to buy a console, which I'm not going to, other than whatever the next Switch is, because I'm a big fan of the Switch. Uh... Because they do have that Xbox Play Anywhere thing and the Xbox Game Pass Ultimate. So you can buy a game and you can play it on your Xbox, you can play it on your PC, you can play it anywhere. So I think that makes it more appealing for if you're going to have a console in your living room and a gaming PC in your office or bedroom or whatever. Personally, I find that more appealing. Uh, I get the idea of you can also just get a PlayStation and have those exclusives and then just play the rest on your PC if you're... A Microsoft person. I mean, that's what I'm but I like yeah. the idea of universal. Like, I can buy a game and play it on any device in my yeah. house. I think that's super so, cool. To finish bringing it back around, what I was going to say is I almost wonder how much more Sony's going to lean into bringing their games to PC eventually so they can, you know, pick up some extra cash to make up for this loss leader type stuff. They're dumb not to. And it's it, the PC Switzerland, man. And, <laughs> and they, they sold a lot of Horizon Zero Dawn. But yeah. it did get a lot of blowback because it was buggy as hell. So they, if they're <laughs> going to do it, they got to do it right, too. they got to learn yeah, but they, two lessons. <laughs> they have been really hard pushing out updates and stuff to that, though. True. And yeah. they sold a lot of Death Stranding as well, which isn't really Sony. But, I mean, and, uh, but Horizon Zero Dawn, I was encouraged by the fact that, yeah, it was kind of janky. But they've been coming out. It has ultra-wide support. It uh, you know, they've been doing updates like twice a week or something like that for the game. Yeah, so, they knew, and they, they sold knew a ton. Problems, yeah. 
So I hope that PC becomes true Switzerland in the future. And yeah, it just would be neutral. nice. Yeah. Although there's going to be probably some heavy delays, though, seeing when mm-hmm. the games come. Because, like, what, Horizon Zero Dawn was a three-year delay? Yeah, I'm fine with that, though. Whatever. <laughs> so I have a question. I'm obviously not a console expert. But the fact that Microsoft is leaning so heavily into streaming, that will cause Sony to do the same. They also will have a streaming service. Well, they do. It looks like both. Do they? they well, do, I mean, but they but... don't care about it. Yeah, so they've had I it for years. Not streaming. It. Yeah, but Sony's is streaming. Xbox Game Pass, you actually download and run the game. Well, it's, it's, it's both. A very big difference. Because Xbox Cloud Streaming just came out for Ultimate. Xbox, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah, yeah. So, but I, I'm wondering, though, is do you think, and of course, I, I never believe this will ever happen with the PC because we don't we don't believe in that, but do you think that both Sony and Microsoft are now finally going down that road of we're just going to stream you games? Why do you even need to buy our console? Or no. clearly well, this generation says no to that. But. Honestly, honestly, I think what's going to happen is that by the time that Xbox cloud streaming, I think that's what it's called now, uh, yeah. is because uh, right now it's just on Android phones, right? But I think in a couple years when, you know, an Xbox One S or an Xbox One S is a little bit longer in the tooth, they'll enable it for those old generations and be like, hey, you know what? If you're still happy with your Xbox One S, S that you had bought years and years ago, guess what? You can still keep using it. Now you just sign up for Game Pass and you get and you stream to it. Like, I think that's what's going to happen. They're going to keep those old versions around and then get people because they don't need the people to buy new hardware. They just need people to buy, sign up for Xbox Ultimate, right? Mm-hmm. And so if you could yeah. stream on the old console, as long as you're paying $15 a month, cool. That would be nice, actually. Right? And, I could uh, see it. Oh, by the way, uh, Rick Elder in chat on YouTube uh, says, Brad, that PS Now has downloads, too, for PlayStation oh, 4 games. great. Awesome. It doesn't on PC. I've only looked at the PC side of it. You can mm-hmm. only stream that stuff. So, But, I mean, doesn't that say, you know what, Microsoft's looking at like every Xbox we sell, we lose a stupid $100. What the hell do we want to sell these things for? We can get somebody to sign up and pay us fifteen dollars a month for streaming. We're going to push them toward that, trying to like actually cost us more money to sell hardware. You know, I mean that's but, what they've been doing. But over time, that's not. It's not always going to be a hundred dollars. I think loss leader, right? Because as the technology improves, the cost yeah. production costs come down. Eventually, I mean, one hopes they make break even. Or <laughs> so. But still, that's not like. Hey, you're making iPhone money there, right? That's like you made twenty five dollars from selling a console, as, and then once you've marketed it and everything, there's nothing. They left. actually sure. Xbox uh, is doing really, I think, interesting payment plans. You can for twenty five bucks a month get mm-hmm. the Xbox Series X along with Game Pass Ultimate and EA yep. Play, uh, or thirty five bucks a month for the Series S, Series X, uh, which I think is gonna is gonna be compelling for a lot of people. But if you do the math on that, it it winds up you're paying like twice what you would have paid just for the console itself over the course of the 24 months. So if a lot of people sign up for that, I don't think the hardware will wind up hurting it as much. Oh, so you're act- they're actually marking it up if you do the payment plan? Yeah, cool. they do that, but they do that for everything. But it also includes Xbox yeah, Ultimate includes the and Ultimate. Yeah, so which itself, if you, if you do the whole package, if you're going to do it anyway, it's a spectacular deal. But yeah, it takes it the sting yeah. it's, it takes the sting away from the higher upfront cost for Microsoft. Yeah like smartphones and people yeah. are used to that now because of smartphones, at least in the U S like, you yeah. know, the, everything in the U S is really done on p- payment plans for smartphones. So this is, this is payment not plans for different. 3080. Well, payment and plans for 3080. Well, what I like is that they sort of cut out the, you know, cause the old ways you put on your credit card, they kill you on interest, you know, 
but you know, yeah, with phones, phones, and even Amazon, I bought my my uh, Mark Four on a payment plan because it's like you know what, this makes it takes this thing out for paying four hundred dollars a month instead yeah. of ponying up you know two thousand yeah. bucks. So, and if you're not paying interest, why not? Yeah, and they get the money no matter what. So, yeah. God, imagine if if Canon had like some sort of subscription service. <laughs> oh my God, they would milk everybody so hard. Anyway, oh God. But, I, I understand they're doing a, they're doing an aftermarket uh, R5, Adam, with the aftermarket MSI cooler on it. So oh, nice! nice. You just slap, slap a fins on it. Yeah, okay. So I I know we have to get to Q and A. So the last thing I wanted to say on this topic is that the pricing makes this so interesting for what builds I end up doing this year to try to like match the consoles, right? Because like last time I did, I tried to do a price compare, like a price match, right? So like Xbox One X selling for 500, how close can I get to that 500? And what do you get PC performance wise? Now it's like, it's not even kind of worth doing it that way because it's just such a, this, this delta that is just so huge. It so was easier I, with, the, with the One X because you still... Didn't yeah. have to spend on the CPU because you got those Jaguar cores. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, honestly, if I mean, I have some ideas already, but you know, hey, leave a message in the comments if you have anything you particularly like to see. Like, I'll see if I can incorporate that or if I end up changing direction based on what people say. I have something to add to that too. Uh, you don't know this. <laughs> I've, I've been around for a long time. I've been talking to all my contacts in the industry. Mm-hmm. People are smuggling parts out. Yep. For me. So I can build my own Xbox. So they're, you know, going to the bathroom during breaks, taking parts from the Xbox. They're sending them to me. I sanitize them. like right here on the And then I'm just, it's gonna be called I'm going to build my own Xbox too. It's going to be called the G-Box. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be called the G-Box. <laughs> uh, and actually, I mean, yeah, to, to really wrap it up, uh, the uh, one thing that I like is that this 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 re- release, even though it's been prolonged COVID and all, all that uh, annoying stuff, and you know, we still don't know if some of these like full details yet, and we're so close, which is annoying. But nobody has made a major stumble like the Xbox One or the PS3. You know, everybody seems to be in a pretty healthy spot. You know, uh, sure, maybe one is getting more attention than the other, but nobody is like completely tripped over their feet. And then, you know, then the narrative has like floated up to the mainstream of like, what? I have to have internet to have an Xbox One? No, I ain't getting that then. You know, like everybody's been generally pretty good. I I think console is in a pretty safe spot. PC is in a great place. Uh, It's a good time to be a gamer. Exactly. I was just about to say that. No, it is an awesome time. I don't think, frankly, I don't. I think it's going to be really hard to beat either PS5 or Xbox at the same cost. There's just no way. There's no, well, actually, it'll be impossible to beat them. I just wonder if you can get close to them for anything less than 1000 bucks or $800. That's really my question. Yeah. So. Uh, it's but, gonna depend on what the actual video outfit looks like. Yeah, let's because uh, yeah. they're not doing actual 4K. But yeah, we'll talk about that later. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's the thing is, I that's gonna be the next narrative. I predict the next narrative is like, man. Xbox is killing PS5. Look how low. Because I, I, like bro, what Brad said, the 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 compute cores in that that Xbox are like, you know, you can't beat that. Yeah. Uh, but I, I want to switch over Q and A. We we only have a, a short amount of time, but there is a burning question I want to ask that got up brought up yesterday. But Gordon had to piece out. Gordon, your thoughts on Nvidia buying ARM? Uh, I think it's uh, it's really smart. It plays into what exactly that Nvidia has been pushing for for a long time. You know, they're going to buy them. 
they still have to then uh, actually get regulatory. I don't know if it's going to make pass regulatory, but it honestly makes the most sense because there's no way they would let Apple buy them. There's no way they would let Samsung buy them, right? Or Qualcomm or Intel. NVIDIA is sort of this like they're invisible in, in ARM, right? So they're going to use that basically to get into data center, even more into data center with AI and all that stuff. Really smart for them. Big losers is everybody else, clearly. Um, I tell you, there's a lot of people like sitting down at Apple, Samsung, and Qualcomm charting out where they go from here because long term, you're looking 10, 15 years down the road. You don't want NVIDIA to own all this, so they're going to look for an escape hatch. Uh, and frankly, as a journalist, I think it's hilarious because people that have like kicked PC to the ground saying we're going to arm are going to be like, well, you know, <laughs> hey, how's it? Can we get some of those Tiger Lake CPUs for a laptop? It really, it really does throw everything up in the air. You don't know how this is going to turn out. So it's it's awesome for to cover. It's great news for NVIDIA if they can get it through. Um, it's, of course, bad news for all of their competitors down the road. I mean, do you think, first off, do you think that it's going to go through? Do you think regulation is going to hold it up? I, you know, I think, I think it will, because I think if there is anybody that's going to buy it, that it's going to be actually sold, then it'd be NVIDIA, because it certainly wouldn't be anybody else mentioned. It wouldn't be Intel or AMD or Qualcomm or Apple there, or Samsung. There's not a lot of companies that can spend $40 billion to buy something either. Right. And, you know, I, I have to say, it's really funny because, you know, SoftBank bought ARM and people like years ago, oh, it's okay, they're Switzerland. Oh, <laughs> yeah, actually, we are. We just want to take this and sell it later. So for an $8 billion right, profit, right? So. Uh, also, yesterday, somebody brought up, what if uh, Apple buys TSMC? <laughs> yes, I think it'd be interesting, right? I mean, but, you know, it's nobody wants to own a fab. It's bad news. And five nanometer they have in the new iPads. Are we going to go any further than five nanometer? Or is this really the end of Moore's law? And do you really want to buy a fab at that point? You know? So it, it's, it doesn't seem like you, you think it's going to be a good situation, but it's going to happen. You mean that they <laughs> would buy TSMC? No, I don't know. I'm they sorry would that, that Nvidia buys arm. And then yeah, for everyone else, it's bad. News. Yes. I think, I think Nvidia will likely be successful. There's no guarantees with the regulators. Um, um, and honestly, It'll be good for me because I like covering the strange new things. And, you know, technology is awesome. You never know what's going to happen next. And, it, yeah, it certainly sucks for Qualcomm, Samsung, and Apple. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, I mean, I, I, there's uh, so much more I could ask, but I think at this point we should probably just peace out. We've done two episodes in two days, and... Hopefully uh, another one next week. So, Gordon, why don't you take us out of here? Okay, I'm sorry. I wasn't ready for that. <laughs> <laughs> All yeah, right, we'll we go. see. Check, yeah, check back next week. Uh, check back next week for your fix of PC Talk on the Full Nerd. For audio listeners, subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or Stitcher, and also leave us a review. Every time you do, NVIDIA, buy somebody. Send questions and comments to thefullnerd.pcworld.com. Thanks for coming. I'm Gordon Young with Brad Charkas. I guess you're going to have to wait for Navi after all. Elena, ye? I was right about $500 consoles. Because <laughs> they got scared of 30 series, and Adam Patrick Murray's going to hit the off switch. Uh, Chivas for Live just gave us $5. Thank you so much. I said, was RTX a paper launch, or was it just due to bots? I, I don't no, know. No, because somebody, some people, five people out of 100 bought it. Then that's not paper. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there you go. 
Boom. It's right. pretty thin, but it's not paper. <laughs> uh, let's go get some rest. Thank you, Brad and Gordon, for all your hard work. And Elaine has got uh, a good uh, article up uh, today as well. Go check it out. Anyway, see everybody. Bye. Bye.